This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Good morning and welcome to my show, Austin On Air, right here on Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. My guest today is Louise Upson, who is the National Party MP for Topol. Kia Louise, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Andrew. Great to be with you. Yes, so you've been on the show before, and um, uh, just to put things into perspective for the listeners, you're the MP for Topol, but you, you're also the National Party's voice for this region because your party does not currently have any representation in Parliament for Hawke's Bay. Yes, that's correct. We, we want to make sure that the people of Hawke's Bay have an alternative voice. Um, so in addition to the two Labour MPs, um, I'm a national representative that they can uh, get in contact with. Um, I also regularly meet with um, the councils, um, the mayors, major organisations uh, and major sectors across the Hawke's Bay to make sure that your voice is represented in Parliament. And uh, um, Louise, they called it the red wave, the way uh, Labour swept the East Coast last election. Do you think the momentum is swinging with the um, Labour government coming under attack for COVID policies and National seeming to gain some strength with a new leader in Christopher Luxon? Yes, absolutely. I mean, what we're, what we're feeling on the ground all over New Zealand is intense frustration uh, with the decisions this government is making. I think it's fair to say that the first sort of three to six months of COVID were, was handled well. Uh, and I think the election results in 2020 um, swung to Labour because of that. Uh, but since that point, um, the government has squandered every opportunity to get ahead of First Delta um, and now to get ahead of Omicron. Um, so despite getting to 90% immunisation rates, um, when the promise was that restrictions would be lifted, uh, there seemed to be more and more that continue to be imposed and no sign of when those restrictions will be lifted. Things like rapid antigen tests, National's been talking about for 12 months, the government sat on its hands, um, and that is what has had a significant impact um, on businesses getting going. Um, and that's just one of many examples where the government has failed to get on and do what it's needed to do to ensure the country gets through um, the COVID-8 outbreaks um, safely, um, but also with the, the ability for people to get on and live their lives at the same time. Now, you know, it's easy to sit um, in opposition and criticise. They always say that um, it's harder for uh, government, uh, the government of the day because they get criticised and opposition can just fire shots at them. How do we know that you um, have the goods and some new ideas that would actually do things a little bit better, you know? Well, I think one of the things that we've shown um, over the last 18 months is we are constantly ahead of the government and its decisions on, on um, COVID. Part of that is we are deeply connected to business and to organisations that have the ideas and we back them. Um, the government doesn't seem to be listening. They're not listening or engaging with anyone other than their own Wellington bubble. And we think that they're missing many opportunities um, to actually 
make concrete decisions that would enable people and businesses to get ahead. Uh, our leader, Christopher Luxon, is a very confident, capable um, leader who has proven results in dealing with organisations in uh, times of challenge. And I think what we've seen even with his first um, visit to the Hawke's Bay as a leader last month, um, people really want to hear him um, and hear his solutions. Uh, and that's why I think you know people, people are really shifting their attention away from Labour and towards National. Yeah, although um, it, it does not seem that long ago that uh, National looked like, um, I mean, I don't know if it would ever have happened, but the Act might even replace them as the official opposition. And at times, David Seymour was the de facto opposition leader. What does National need to do in the next year, to con- year or so to convince voters that you are the government to lead them in these uncertain times? Yeah, well, the first thing is a lot of a lot of the work behind the scenes took place last year, uh, and we do have a very strong, capable leader in Christopher Luxon. Um, there's a freshness about him that I think is really appealing to people, um, but he's also very confident in his approach um, and has the ability to, you know, really pull people on board. Uh, we're working on our our policies that we will take into the election next year. They'll, of course, be focusing on the big issues, things like the economy, um, the cost of living that's really hurting people day to day. Uh, People want to be safe in their communities. Um, And, of course, housing. Four years of failure from Labour on housing. um, And that was their number one issue they were going to fix. Um, So we will be presenting quite different alternatives to the election um, for 2023. And I'm confident, given the amount uh, we are listening and engaging with the New Zealand public. We are responding every week. Uh, and you'll hear Christopher Luxon uh, say the things that New Zealanders are worried about week to week and come up with solutions. So, for example, yesterday he said for Kiwis returning to New Zealand that have had a negative test before they've left, have, have had a negative test when they arrive, there is less COVID in Australia why is it that they need to self-isolate when they hit New Zealand when there's more COVID here than where they've come from? Um, that's a practical solution based on good information and it's the sort of practical policy solution that New Zealanders want to see. People are scratching their heads everywhere saying, why is it if you're a Kiwi coming home from Australia, you have to self-isolate um, when those in New Zealand now don't? Uh, unless you are a household contact or you are positive. Well, so exactly common one sense. step further, would you just open up the, the borders completely and say to people, if you've got a negative test, um, whether you're a Kiwi or not, um, from Australia or elsewhere, um, and if you're just a tourist coming through, would you just open the borders completely? I do think we need to do that once the, the COVID peak has hit. Um, so we have to be responsible um, because we don't have access to rapid antigen tests freely, um, because our health service is no better than it was two years ago, uh, we actually do have to be cautious until the peak um, of Omicron hits. But unlike Labour, um, we would like to see that we return of some visitors before October. For all of the many tourism businesses across the Hawke's Bay, they are crying out for certainty. Um, they want to know when they will be able to operate again. They want to know when tourists 
will be able to return to the Hawke's Bay. Um, so yes, we of course need to do that safely, um, but no one in their right mind is going to plan a holiday in six months and 12 months' time to come to New Zealand if they have to self-isolate for a week when they get here. It's just not going to happen. And it will mean that vital businesses across our districts miss out as people wanting to travel choose countries other than New Zealand. There's no doubt that the country is in, in crisis at the moment and we've seen divisions that um, some are saying sort of uh, or reminiscent of the 81 Springbok tour protests and that why are we so divided? It's, all, it's, it's easy for opposition to say it's all the government's fault. But um, <clears throat> what, what are the, the deeper issues then? Well, as, as Christopher Luxon said in his speech last week, we are, we are an increasingly divided society on, on many grounds, whether it's rural, urban, uh, whether it's vaccinated, unvaccinated, uh, whether it's um, Māori or, or Pākehā. And, and, and some of the policies uh, that the government is making is driving that, things like the Māori Health Authority. New Zealanders don't want to see separate systems based on ethnicity. Uh, and I think what um, National wants to seek to do is actually have policies that deal with need, you know, very clearly, there are some that have significantly higher needs than others, and we need to focus on that. Um, but, our, but our first port of call shouldn't be based on race. Uh, if you look at the divisions amongst those that are vaccinated or not right now, that is causing absolute carnage in families and communities. So, you know, we've asked for the plan for mandates to end um, when will vaccine passes no longer be required? We're proposing that it should be after the, the Omicron peak has hit. Um, if we've got 95% vaccinated and we've hit the peak of Omicron, why would you then need to show a vaccine pass? Why would you need to, to scan in with the QR code if the contact tracing now isn't being used because there's too many cases? Um, so these are some, some solid, um, sensible policies that will stop some of the division and tension and frustration that exists in our communities at the moment. Now, um, you know, everyone's got opinions on the protesters in Wellington and um, even your party um, has indicated that, that they don't want to really speak to them. Is there going to become a point where politicians actually have to start addressing them and how do you see this um, ending? Well, I think the first thing is what we are listening to people who have the same frustrations and the same views every day. Um, so whether it's in Hawke's Bay, whether it's in Taupo, um, I have dozens of people each week who reach out with the same intense frustrations about mandates that those protesting in Wellington hold. Uh, so that's the first thing. We are listening. Uh, we fully understand the frustration, and that's why we see the mandates should be lifted in most areas after the peak of, the, of Omicron. And actually, the question exists today is why, why, why do some of them exist now and when will the government lift them? Uh, in, in terms of um, those who are protesting at, at Parliament, I, I fully accept um, there are some, uh, probably many, who are there and um, their day-to-day behaviour is, is acceptable. Um, 
The bit that's difficult is, of course, those who are blatantly challenging the police, behaving in a way that no one would find acceptable. And the other part is the occupation isn't just Parliament and Parliament's grounds. It's at the law school, it's preventing girls from school going to school, it's affecting the bus terminal, it's affecting local residents where streets are blocked and businesses can't operate. That is an unlawful occupation of land that is incredibly um, affecting a large number of Wellingtonians. So Has we have said other leaders too soft on them. Should there have been harder? The occupation of those areas needs to stop. Has, has the police um, commissioner been too soft on the protesters? Should he have been harder? Look, I'm not going to comment on the police operation. It's it's now a you know a very large protest and occupation that they are attempting to manage, um, and I'm sure they're doing the best job possible. Uh, like any occupation of this scale, I'm sure there'll be a, a review at the end of it um, that'll identify things that could have been done better. But surely, surely you've got an opinion on it. I mean, it's a simple question. Have they done a good job or not? Well, I, I actually, you know, if there was an opportunity to stop it growing, it would have been in the first 48 hours. If it had been constrained to Parliament's grounds, it would have been a lot easier to manage um, than where it is now. Uh, I think that there was um, a, a gross... Um, miscalculation in terms of the size and number of people who were planning to come uh, and and are now resident on the grounds and surrounds of Parliament in a big part of Wellington. So if you this afternoon um, as a Cabinet Minister were going into a Cabinet meeting with Prime Minister um, Luxon, what would you be advising him to do to bring stability to the country. Are you talking specifically about the protest? Well, just generally, just to um, you, you're saying that nationals got all these um, these plans and that, but things are changing sort of on a daily basis with new um, sort of new challenges and that. So, how would um, how would a national cabinet discuss this? What what would be the yeah? The so discussion? what so what people want is a clear plan. They want to know. You know, what are the criteria for changes? So the biggest frustration everybody has is we were told 90%. Once we get to 90% vaccination, you, you know, some of the restrictions would lift. We're now at 95% and a large percentage of New Zealanders are boosted and those freedoms haven't been released. So a clear plan, this is the target, this is the milestone, this is what happens when that is achieved. Um, instead of week-to-week changes, inconsistencies, businesses are finding it very difficult to operate. So, again, have a plan, clear milestones, provide certainty for businesses, families and households to be able to get on with their lives. Um, This living week-to-week doesn't serve anyone well and just adds to the level of anxiety and frustration um, that is, is rife amongst our community. Now, Louise, you've been in Parliament for quite a while now. I think it, you won your fourth term the last election and it was quite a, it was more than 5,000 uh, votes, the margin, but less than 2017. Why do you think the total electorate will elect you again for a fifth term? I presume you are standing again. 
um, and uh, might it be time for them to look for a new voice? Um, this is actually my fifth term. The people of Taupo know how incredibly hard I work to represent and bring their voice to Parliament. Um, local issues that I'll continue to advocate for that are stupid things like the speed reduction from on State, State Highway 5 from, from Napier to Taupo, um, whether it's State Highway 1, whether it's the airport upgrade, um, they know I fight for the issues that are important to them uh, and I will continue to do that. Now, given that you know how to win elections, will you play any role in selecting or approving the candidates for the Hawke's Bay electorate? Well, one of the things I, I will be doing is, is, for those who are interested in being a candidate, um, I'll provide advice, um, answer any questions they've got, uh, and encourage those to come forward early. In the National Party, it's local members of the party in Hawke's Bay that choose their candidate. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important... Um, as the caretaker, I'll be handing over some of the key issues that um, are happening in the Hawke's Bay um, to make sure that when the candidate's selected, they can get up um, and get off the block straight away because uh, it's a fantastic opportunity. The Hawke's Bay area, um, I think, is, is right for national MPs. We took both seats in 2005, and the mood is very similar. Um, they want to have someone who listens and represents their issues um, and works incredibly hard being their voice uh, and championing their district in Wellington. Now, Stuart Nash, obviously, is a Cabinet Minister, MP for uh, Napier. Um, so how do you rate him? Are you saying he's not doing a good job at all? Ah, he, he does the job um, the way he does it. It's actually for the voters of Napier to determine that. Um, I get on with him fine. I bumped into him at one of the functions... Um, at Art Deco and yep, I get on well with him fine. In terms of his performance, that's for the voters of Napier to decide. So who from National could beat him? Who's a candidate that could beat him? Well, we'll have a number of people who um, put themselves forward um, for that seat. Um, the reality is that most people want to know. They'll have someone who will work hard on the ground um, and who will represent the issues that are important to them and, and not give up easily on the things that they want to see happen. Now, Anna Lork is the MP for Tuki Tuki, and uh, quite surprisingly to some, she beat Lawrence Yule um, in the last election, and she even put it that down to a numbers uh, sort of party vote game. Do you think she'll be easy to beat this time? Well, as you said at the start of this um, the show, you know, we saw a red wave in 2020. Um, I think it'll be quite a different environment in 2023. Um, at the end of the day, people want to see their MP, their local MP, working incredibly hard, listening to them, being available to them, um, and visibly taking the issues they want raised in Parliament. Um, so, again, the, the National Party will go through a process to select um, our candidate for Tuki Tuki uh, later this year, um, and then you know we'll be providing support to that person to do the best job possible um, to... Firstly, increase our party votes, and secondly, win the seat. The indications are that National could uh, contest uh, the Māori seats, and Ikarawa Rafati is a big seat that Labour has held for many years. Mika Whātari is well regarded at grassroots level. Does National even have uh, enough Māori members to be candidates in this, in this region? Yes, so our intention to stand in the Māori seats... Um, 
we're yet to determine which seats we will focus on. Um, and we've, we've seen for many years um, a lost opportunity to uh, win party votes by not standing candidates in the Māori seats. And many Māori think, you know, we're not, we're not interested and don't care simply because we haven't had candidates. Um, so that is a strategic decision uh, we've made, uh, but the decision hasn't yet been made as to which seats we'll focus on. Now, just to remind and correct me if I've uh, missed something out here, you are the party's spokesperson on child poverty reduction and social development and employment. Um, correct. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. I, I yeah. picked up the child poverty reduction portfolio um, in, in December. And if you were the minister of these portfolios or um, whatever they call, they will call them, um, what would your strategy be to... Um, Solve problems in these areas. Obviously, child uh, poverty is is an issue in our country. So, what would you look to be doing? Well, the the, the primary problem at the moment is we have um, a large number of people who are on benefit. Um, a significant number of job seekers, and those numbers were increasing before COVID. Um, so, if somebody's relying on a benefit as opposed to being in a job, their income will be lower. So the focus would be on families on benefit, on job seeker with children in that household because we know 60% of the children that live in material hardship are in benefit-dependent homes. Uh, what we're seeing is more people on benefit for longer and that reduces the opportunities for them. So we want to see far more um, support for people to be in work. At the very same time, in the Hawke's Bay, anywhere you go, there are signs for people desperate for workers. So we want to make sure that we are supporting people into employment. That's easier said than done. How do you actually get, because I mean, um, you know, people find that it's often easier just to be on the benefits. So yeah, so the first, thing, the first thing is there's consequences if you don't fulfil your responsibilities. So if you are a job seeker and there is a job available, you should be taking it. Uh, it is unacceptable for um, a local business to be desperate for workers at the same time to know that they are paying someone who could work um, and is able of working who chooses not to take that job. Now, we all accept that uh, people face challenging times um, throughout their lives and the welfare system should support them, but if you can work, you should. Okay, and just uh, lastly, because I think we're almost running out of time here, um, just uh, obviously the other big news in the world is uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and I just uh, want to get your thoughts on what more New Zealand can do to sort of uh, register their protest or to, you know, stop, stop this happening. Is there anything little old New Zealand can do? Well, I think New Zealand has always got to play its part um, and bring its voice to the table. I think there'll be many that, that look at um, the United Nations um, Security Council with frustration that they can't take um, stronger action. Um, but, you know, we need to continue to look at what other sanctions we could apply um, to ensure that Russia feels the pressure of the world that this aggressive, appalling behaviour um, on this blatant attack on Ukraine is unacceptable and comes to an end. 
Louise Epstein, National MP for Taipo. Thank you so much for your time and all the best uh, in the future and the next election. Thanks, Andrew, and it's been great to chat. Yes, and to you, the listener, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.